Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Shahan Jayaraja, who joins us on the phone lines. And Shahan, it's really good to hear from you, man. How's everything going this afternoon? Hey, everything's going great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just start with uh, the article that you wrote, because obviously that caught my eye when I was reading it and uh, wanted you to, to come on the show. You were talking about some dark horses from each Power Five conference, you know, NC State from the ACC and, uh, you know, maybe Washington from the Pac-12 and Baylor from the Big 12. But when I saw Arkansas, it, it was a little bit surprising, maybe surprising to a lot of people, but what made you say Arkansas is the dark horse out of the SEC this year? Well, we do have to start off by, of course, uh, naming some terms, right? And so for us, we set the bar for dark horse. We wanted teams that were under that 50 to 1 threshold of, of uh, betting odds to win a national championship. And obviously, in the SEC, that takes you through a good number of teams with as many title contenders as there are. But I think that if there is a program right now in the SEC that people should buy stock in right now, it's Arkansas. I, I mean, I think that Arkansas proved over the last two years. Just having such a unified identity, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, building that offensive line, and even on defense with what Barry Odom's done there, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this team. Now, of course, uh, you know, they go 9-4 and four last year and play Alabama really close down the stretch when I believe it's five of the last six games outside of that Alabama game. I think that there's still untapped potential to be found. I'll be excited to see whether maybe KJ Jefferson can take that step and become an upper tier SEC quarterback. And so, look, the schedule's always going to be tough. You have to go through Texas A&M, LSU, Alabama, all these teams. But uh, you know what? If I'm putting my money on some team to come out of nowhere, it's going to be Arkansas. So, what separated Arkansas from other teams in the SEC that you may have thought of, maybe like Tennessee, Kentucky? What what was the gap there, and what separated Arkansas? Sure. I think that just from a quality perspective, this is a better team, I think, than either of those squads. Uh, I like Tennessee and Kentucky, of course, because of the path that they have. They kind of next year probably just have to get through Georgia and each other. And Arkansas, like I mentioned, has to get through a number of more teams. But the reality is, if you're going to make it out of the SEC, I think that I'm looking for the team that gives me the best overall quality even if their path is just a little bit tougher. And I like what Arkansas brings back on both sides of the ball. Obviously, there are pieces to be replaced. I mean, Phelan Brooks is, a, is an all-SC receiver who goes in the first couple rounds of the draft. But I still think that there's a lot of reasons for excitement, a lot of reasons for optimism. And one thing that we haven't even really seen to this point is we haven't fully seen Sam Pittman's recruits start to come into the program and really contribute. I mean, these first two years, it's been a lot of leftover guys from the Chad Morris era and some some uh, transfers coming in too. This is going to be one of Sam Pittman's first real teams that's all his. You know, these are guys who were recruited by Sam Pittman, have spent two years in the program in the weight uh, the strength and conditioning program, obviously developing on the offensive line. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that there's still a chance that as the program becomes even more Sam Pittman, it's going to keep going forward. Well, and one of the things you talk about, the multiple reasons why, to me, especially when you start to see uh, so many people believing in Arkansas, obviously Sam Pittman, the job he's done, but a lot of it comes down to K.J. Jefferson. And when you're able to return a high-quality quarterback, especially in the SEC, there's always going to be a lot of people gravitating towards this team having a high level of success. I mean, how, how big do you think he can be for this team to continue to grow? Because you mentioned he's not going to have Traylon Burks on the team, but how big is an integral is he going to be to the success of Razorback football this year? 
I, I think he's huge. And I look at last season, so much of KJ Jefferson's season was, you know, obviously him showing off his gifts, but I think a lot of it was the way that the offensive staff managed to use him, whereas this upcoming year, it's got to be him kind of taking it and running with it, right? It's got to be him making these decisions, him making these plays, uh, him sort of reading and reacting at a higher level because, you know, that's kind of when you start to make that leap towards being an elite national quarterback is when you can kind of see the game slow down in front of you. And I think that's something we started to see for stretches at the end of the year, but didn't necessarily see fully. And so I think that with an off-season of being QB1, uh, obviously an, another off-season of learning under the coaching staff, and Arkansas, of course, runs a pretty quarterback-friendly system, which does help him out, I think. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that he could take another step because he was a plus player last year for Arkansas, but I think that he has a chance to be a real like star-type contender for them if he does hit. So how much did transfers play into your thinking uh, when you talk about guys like Latavius Brini coming from Georgia, Drew Sanders, Bama, Jaden Hazelwood, Oklahoma, big-time transfers from from big-time programs coming into Arkansas? No question. I mean, Arkansas is one of the places to be right now, and I think I, I think that the, what I like most about the people that, uh, that the staff brought in is that I think that they're players who fit Arkansas very well. I mean, you mentioned somebody like Drew Sanders, obviously a five-star kid out of high school, out of Benson, Texas. I, I mean, he is somebody who's big. He obviously has hit at a high level. And I think that he's somebody who's going to be able to embody some of that physical mentality. And, and just the programs that you mentioned guys coming from as well, you know, that's something that I really look for when you talk about very selective transfers, right, is the guys who are coming from winning cultures, winning programs, and, and people who are really going to fit within the program at a very high level. So I like Arkansas from that perspective. And I think that the fact that they were able to be selective, the fact that they were able to to pull from such specific places, I think that that only maximizes what has already, of course, been a, a tremendous team culture at Arkansas. We're speaking here about Arkansas football and the chances of them being a dark horse champion, which I know a lot of Razorback fans would be all about. And the thing is, is that, you, you know, you mentioned a lot of the, the players that Arkansas has and, and what they can do. How much of the schedule, though, goes into that? Because to me, last year's schedule for Razorbacks, I mean, you had on the road against Georgia, on the road against Bama, on the road against LSU. Uh, you, you had a really difficult time with it. Uh, you you managed it all right, but it seems like this upcoming schedule, it's still going to be tough because you're the SEC West, but it feels like it's a lot more favorable this season than it was last year, too. No question. I, I think that that does play a big part of it, just getting a few more of those games at home and then, uh, you know, losing some of the guys from, from the SEC East schedule, I think. So I, I, th I definitely think that uh, that schedule plays a big part of it for me. You know, very manageable, non-conference slate as well. You have an opportunity. Now, the one thing that I'll say uh, from a scheduling perspective is that obviously Arkansas early in the year starts to get, uh, you know, some of those SEC teams in the first four or five weeks of the year. You get Texas A&M early, you get Alabama early. So that's the one tough part about it. But that doesn't have to be a negative for a team that does return a decent amount of production. So, uh, look, the, the schedule, like you mentioned, never going to be a plus in the SEC West, but this is definitely the easier rotation of the two. We've heard uh, plenty of people that are high on Arkansas and having them ranked highly in their way-too-early rankings. So post-spring and, and your way-too-early rankings, what do you have Arkansas ranked? 
Yeah, I, I would probably have them somewhere in like the top 15, I'd say. So again, you know, when I'm talking Dark Horse, I'm talking teams that maybe could work up into that group. I probably am not quite ready to have them in my top 10 as yet, but anywhere between sort of 8 and 15, I think, is, is pretty good. And probably more between like 8 and 13. Uh, you know, they're, they're right on the edge of being in that top group with the Alabamas, the Georgias, uh, the Ohio States, but, uh, you know, definitely a step above maybe some of the other borderline contender type teams like Kentucky, like you mentioned, uh, like the Iowa's. They're definitely a step ahead of those types of teams. So I would probably have them somewhere right there in that range. And, and kind of looking at just the division in the SEC West in general, we know Bama's Bama. You know, they're more than likely going to win the West, and no one would be surprised by that. A lot of people are high on Texas A&M thinking that they could be that second team. But even then, it, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, 100% guaranteed. Just how do you see – the SEC West shaking up, and do you see any team having a legitimate shot to upend Alabama as the SEC West champion? Well, to be frank, if Texas A&M doesn't come close to it, I think that it's hard not to see that as disappointing. Obviously, the recruiting class coming in, but it is multiple years at this point of recruiting classes. You know, from 2019 on, they've been in that top five conversation, of course, culminating with the number one class of all time this past year. But quarterback play has been an issue for them. Uh, they're still very young, in my opinion, on the offensive line. They lost some key defenders to the NFL draft. Uh, they still haven't re- developed very well at receiver. But you kind of have to take that step at this point with the way that they've recruited. I mean, they're going to be in that top five type caliber in terms of most talented teams in college football. And they haven't played like it outside of that 2020 COVID season when they went 9-1. and one. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. Arkansas will certainly be in that group. Uh, You know, and I'm going to be curious to see how long does it take LSU to come along under Brian Kelly. I don't think it's going to be a turnkey operation. I think it might take a full year for them to move into that group to be competing for the SEC West. But that's also something that I like about where Arkansas is situated is I do think that, you know, Ole Miss, they they lost Matt Corral to the draft. I think things are going to look a little different for them this this upcoming year. You know, Texas A&M, we'll see what kind of happens with potential quarterback change. It, there is still a lot of transition in the SEC West for how talented the teams are. And so I think that, you know, Texas A&M and Arkansas are probably the two teams that are best poised to compete with Bama. How would you compare Arkansas and Ole Miss? Because Ole Miss actually has better odds to win the West than Arkansas with all the changes. I, I understand the logic, you know, for, for Ole Miss. I understand uh, people like Jackson Darb, people like some of the guys they bring in. Obviously, they bring in the two very talented running backs, Lewis Bentley and Zach Evans. But for me, if I had to pick one, I'm, I'm leaning Arkansas right now. I think that they just have a little more consistency. I obviously love Ole Miss's transfer class. It's one of the best transfer classes in the country. But I think that I like to rely on what Arkansas has on its roster. I mean, of course, they added some key transfers, who I think will be big help, but I don't think they're going to rely on transfers the same way that maybe Ole Miss is. I mean, I think Ole Miss, you look at what they lost, obviously, with the running backs, with Matt Corral, I I think that they're just a team that's kind of trying to rebuild on the fly a little bit more, as opposed to Arkansas, who has this, I think, better foundation, maybe, and then they're trying to build on top of that. Of course, you know, defensively, I think that Arkansas has the pieces to replace, but I, I like what Arkansas has coming back just a little bit more. So, for me, I'm betting on what I feel like is known just a little bit more than I'm betting on the unknown. Well, and I think a, a key part of that, too, is because we talk about the transfer portal and everything, and, and we can be completely honest about it. I mean, Arkansas 
generally has not been a top-tier recruiting school in football. Basketball, baseball, some of the best. But in, in football, I think the best class that they've had just here in the past 20-some-odd years, I think they got up to number 12 or number 11, something like that. Uh, but usually ranging anywhere between 20 to 30 on occasion. But it seems like the transfer portal, though, has opened up a lot of opportunities for not only players but for schools in Arkansas seems to be one of those schools that really benefits from the transfer portal where, hey, they're not always going to get the top-tier recruits coming out of high school, but they can get some top-tier transfers coming out of that portal. No question. And I think that when I look at building a program, especially if Sam Pittman's going to be here for the long term, which I think we all expect, the way that teams can maybe build up some of that gap. Because, look, Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and you know apparently right now Texas A&M, they're going to recruit at that level. and that's not going to change. There's going to be a massive gap between the way that those teams recruit and everybody else. But I think that where you can make up the gap as a program is by being consistent, is by having less roster churn, which I think is going to be something that only continues to happen with the, the sort of top-end schools as guys come expecting to be able to, to play and really capitalize and realize that maybe they can't. And I, I think that for Arkansas, having guys in the program for two, three, four years that you can develop and, and kind of get to a certain point, mixed with, like you mentioned, adding in some of those four- and five-star type talents like Drew Sanders coming in as transfers. I think that if you find a nice mix of those things, that's a real pathway to success. And, and I think that Sam Pittman's done a great job of it so far. Things are going to change. I mean, this is the first sort of uh, year that we really have a transfer portal mixed with NIL at this level. But I think that that is a pathway that long-term has a lot of uh, has a lot of upside. With the excitement about K.J. Jefferson, outside a quarterback, what do you see as a real strength for this Arkansas team? Yeah, I, th- I think the trenches, once again, just has a chance to be really good. The thing that I love about Arkansas and, and watching them so much last year is that I, I think that so much of the time you see that, that uh, programs kind of take on the personality of their coach. Right, And so I think that when you have a coach who is an offensive line coach by trade, you see a team that is physical, that's technically sound, that's hungry, that wants to get after you. And I think that you see that sort of seep throughout the entire roster in a lot of ways. And I think it's why Arkansas is one of the most fun teams to watch in the country. And so I really like what Arkansas is able to do in the trenches. Obviously, you know, some, some losses on the defensive line, but I think that they have all the pieces there to be able to replace them. And so that's where I'd really say the strengths lie. And if you're going into a battle into the SEC with a, with a strength anywhere, I feel like the trenches is where you'd want to have it. You know, something else that uh, we, we kind of discussed and, and kind of going a, a little different direction here is I saw that the uh, ACC is looking to do a system where they have three permanent opponents on the schedule and then five rotating so that way everybody plays everybody and all of that. The SEC is going to have it to where, of course, Texas and Oklahoma joining in 2025, I think is what everybody expects. But it's always fun to talk about scheduling. How do you feel like or how do you foresee that going down once scheduling needs to be changed? Do you see it going to the pod system as everyone brings it up? Do you see just kind of having three opponents and then five rotators? Well, what kind of scheduling do you think the, would be most beneficial, most fun for the SEC? Well, I think it's fair to say that uh, that division scheduling makes no sense in that kind of system. It would be eight teams in your division. I mean, that's that's just crazy. That's that's too many to be able to really put together a schedule that's particularly representative. And to be honest, 
when I look at the way that the schedules are set up right now, it's a little bit of a joke to me, right? I mean, to not be able to play so many of those teams in the East, not play Georgia as recent, you know, I mean, it's like 12 years in between schedules. To me, that's, that's a mess. And so I'm glad that some of this will be uh, resolved in the next round of scheduling. But I do really like that sort of uh, permanent opponent pod scheduling type thing because if you're, if you're Arkansas, I think that Texas A&M and, uh, and Texas are two teams that you want to be able to play mostly every single year. And then I, w- I do want to see a rotation. I want to see it kind of get to be balanced. I want to get, to, uh, you know, I want Arkansas to be able to make some of these trips out to the East as well. So I think that that's the schedule that makes the most sense uh, with a conference as big as the SEC is going to be with 16 teams. Um, and, and I do like that it does preserve some of these local flavors, right? You do get to play some of those old Southwest Conference foes, and I think that that's going to be really good for the sport. Now, of course, the SEC is adding those teams, and it's going to expand, but some of the talk that kind of died down was these super conferences. Do you still think we're on track to see that at some point here soon? It's a good question. I I think that the way that this whole NIL wave is kind of handled, both from an NCAA perspective uh, and from a congressional perspective, too, is going to play a big part in this because – I think that if there's a huge disconnect between some of these top schools and the NCAA, we really are likely to see a breaking off of those top schools from everybody else. Now, the thing that I'm curious about is what does that look like? Does that look like the FBS breaking off? Does that look like the Power Five breaking off? Or does it look like 20 to 30 teams breaking off? I I think that that's a question that all of us have heading forward is which one of those systems is it going to be? So I, I think that we are moving towards the break, but there's still so many moving pieces. I don't know which one of those systems long-term uh, it's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of the, the crazy forecasting that we have. Cause to, to be honest, man, like college football and just has been changing so much and it's not like it's in a necessarily a bad way, but I mean, I could see in five years, College football looking completely different from what we're seeing now. And it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of scary in the same way to where we don't really know what the future holds. No question. And I think for me, my big concern as obviously a big fan of college football in addition to working in the field is I just want to make sure that we bring along as many people for the ride as we can. right? Because I think that what makes college football so great is that it's a regional sport, is that it's at its core kind of a local sport. And so I don't, want us to move to a world where it is only eight to 12 teams that you that you have to pay attention to and everybody else is kind of irrelevant. I don't think that's good for the sport. And so long-term, I think that, I, I think that we're going to have those conversations. And I think that as long as that sort of rises to the top, the idea that this is a national sport, that this is a 130 team sport, that this is a, a division one to division three sport, uh, you know, I, I think that hopefully long-term will end up still in a good place. Well, Shehan, Jay Raja, hopefully I did not butcher your name too bad when I was saying it, man. <laughs> you so, got it, man. You got hey, it. Excellent. I, was kept, I kept mouthing it to myself over and over again. But uh, great stuff, man, and a really great article, folks. If you haven't read it, check it out at CBS Sports. We appreciate you coming on, man, and I know we'll have you on again here soon in the near future, all right? Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me.